food in honor of today's subject matter. I bet you can't guess what I'm drinking. Uh, cocoa, but is it like drugs oh, to you? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, man. <laughs> I like definitely want to talk about that at some point. The best cocoa I've ever had. <laughs> like, oh, I feel like I'm 10 miles high delivering presents to everyone in the world. Who would win in a fight? Santa Claus or, or Jack, Jack Frost? Frost? I knew it. I knew you were going to do it. Is this like a awkwardly tackle each other fight or is this like a kissing fight <laughs> Ooh, hmm. kissing fight well I, I feel like santa would win both of those he's got a weight advantage even in kissing yeah but he does not have the outright raw horniness of jack frost <laughs> whoa, whoa whoa wait a minute is he that can't. what jack frost is known for well he he <laughs> certainly knows how to nip at your nose better than anyone else i've ever heard of i think that leads into our episode we're talking about tim allen and the martin short jack frost but first, hello and welcome to The Popcorn Isn't Real, the podcast where we talk about fan theories and take deep dives into alternate readings of films. Today, we are talking about the entire Santa Claus series, starting with The Santa Claus, then The Santa Claus 2, then The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause, and finally, the Disney Plus show, The Santa Clauses. Why, this is just a happy family film about a man who turns into Santa Claus against his will the and, and eventually kind of embraces There it. can't be anything like sinister about this movie. I've seen this movie a hundred times. It's it's just like a happy kids movie, right? Like guy turns <laughs> into Santa. He's gonna be he's gonna be Santa now. I mean, there's like um the kind of dark undertone of is he going to be able to keep his kid or not? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, if you really look at the movie, he does kidnap his kid. No, I know, I know. You know what? This is kind of a dark movie now that you mention it. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today, because I believe that Tim Allen was never Santa Claus. I believe that he slipped off the roof while trying to convince his son that Santa was real. He had a head injury, which caused him to experience a delusion. And slowly he came to embrace this delusion, this new madness that had overtaken him. And he drew many of his other family members into a folie adieu, a shared delusion between all of them. Dude, Scott Calvin in this movie is like an absolute just butthole of a person. Yeah. In this movie, Tim Allen's character, Scott Calvin hates Neil, his, his ex-wife's new husband. Dude, I love Neil. <laughs> he's a great I character. love Neil, too. I especially love him in the following movies where he seems to think that Scott Calvin is his BFF. Yes. He, he loves Scott Calvin. <laughs> They're best buds. Scott but Calvin's Scott, if you watch him, never he, still <laughs> he still hates Neil. Neil. <laughs> he hates him. <laughs> uh, yep. And so... It's not just because he's the other man. It's because Scott Calvin has a history of mental illness. And we see this with his absolute hatred of psychiatrists. I believe he's seen a lot of psychiatrists in the past and possibly had bad experiences with okay. them. Anytime someone calls Neil a doctor, he's like, he's a psychiatrist. Mm. <laughs> so, And then in the second movie... When they're just going to meet the principal because his son is acting out, Neil, who is now his buddy, yeah, according to Neil, Neil, he gets mad when Neil starts just talking a little bit about psychiatry. And yep. he's just like, ugh. <laughs> I know. And he goes exactly into his old, like, Tim Allen mode, his old Scott Calvin mode, yeah. where he's just like brushing the problem away, being sarcastic and rude to everyone. Like, he hasn't changed at all, even by the second movie. Same thing happens in the third movie when... um 
Neil starts bringing up like a valid point that Neil's daughter, Lucy, is feeling left out because she never gets to go to the North Pole, unlike Charlie, who always gets to go to the North Pole. And it's a valid point. It's also, (laughs) I understand in this one single case, I actually understand Scott Calvin's point of view, though, because Lucy is not Scott's daughter. (laughs) Lucy is Neil's daughter. She (laughs) calls him Uncle Scott, but he is not her uncle either. (laughs) Right. So I kind of get him being like, dude, this girl's not even my problem. Why would I bring her to the North Pole? But that's not the point here. The point is that Neil's trying to express his valid concerns and Scott totally brushes him off as like, you know, psychiatrist mumbo jumbo. He's like, come on, we don't need to hear this. And also, isn't it weird how in the third movie, like, Lucy goes from like a tertiary character to just like the main character. The main character, yeah. <laughs> what the heck? Kind of strange. Where did Lucy even come from? I was like, <laughs> I know, <laughs> surprised that she was even in the second movie, let alone the main character of the, of the third. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, whoa, his random not niece. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, this person who has literally nothing to do with him. <laughs> she is the daughter of his ex-wife and his ex-wife's husband. <laughs> But yeah, no no matter what, we've established that he hates psychiatrists, and I believe that he has had previous mental illness, but he's specifically triggered by psychiatrists. Okay, and it sounds like what you're actually implying here is that the supposed head injury that he suffers when falling off the roof when he decides to become Santa Claus, that... Mm-hmm was not the start of his mental problems. That was just the catalyst for the entire Santa Claus delusion. But he has been kind of unstable in the past as well. Yeah, I believe he is a little bit unstable. I think he has some anger issues. He's a dumb dad, doesn't really know how to take care of his kid. He Sure, he loves Charlie, but he's just like, I don't know what to do with him. Right, which right, is why right. he's a toy maker, right? He works for a toy company. He created the doll that does it all for you. And apparently yeah. it says, don't, don't feed, me. feed me. Don't, don't change me. me. Don't you change me. Yeah, she sings the whole song. <laughs> so he just doesn't like taking care of kids. Just what we're referencing here is at the very beginning when Laura and Scott Calvin start to fight, she starts to quote a commercial for a doll that Scott designed, which was called Do It All For You, Dolly. <laughs> so, yeah. Real quick, I was going to ask you about the whole Scott Calvin being unbelievably upset that they told his son that Santa's not real. It's pretty weird. I don't know anyone who's ever been through this kind of scenario. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, what kind yeah, of... Yeah, well, I think... <laughs> I, I personally feel that Santa Claus is a very cult-like thing, and Christmas itself, I think Christmas can be enjoyable, but when you're around people who treat it as, like, this weird cult following, and yeah. if you do anything not Christmassy, they're, like, mad at you. It's like, you ruined Christmas kind of thing. I'm like, gosh, you guys are the ones ruining Christmas. Like, yeah. just chill. It's fine. Like, no, just, I mean, just I'm, relax I'm, the santa claus lie is stupid, stupid okay yes. no, <laughs> it's stupid why the santa claus thing is a it's a fun i think it's fine to joke about tale, me like right? oh the tooth fairy brought you a right. present you know like you know you just say it it's, it's kind of a fun thing to imagine but it it's doesn't need to be story. like a religion yeah you don't <laughs> no one needs to believe it right <laughs> if anyone doesn't believe it that's probably a good thing We need to look at the clues as to how perhaps this delusion started. First of all, we know that he's obsessed with control of Charlie, and what he is fixated on at this point is the belief of Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. Now, he takes Charlie out for a very bad Christmas night at Denny's, and he meets a server named Judy. And also, we learn that they are out of cocoa. Well, no, they're out of chocolate milk. This server, Judy, is unable to provide them with chocolate-based beverages. 
Now, the next part is where things get a little muddled. So he's reading The Night Before Christmas to Charlie. The next shot we see, he's in bed and he wakes up because there's a noise on the roof. Adults go to bed much later than kids. What did he do after reading that story and going to bed? So there's some time unaccounted for here. Sorry, what are you trying to imply here? <laughs> I, don't... I think that perhaps he went up to the roof and set up some sort of Santa decoration okay. up there. So you're there. not saying there's anything suspicious here. You're just saying he had the opportunity to go and do whatever. Yes. I do just want to point out, though, that he wasn't very invested in reading that story to his kid because uh, he yeah. kind of flipped all the way to the end halfway through. And then his kid had to interrupt him and be like, but wait, what's a clatter? And he's like, you're supposed to go to sleep. <laughs> he's like, no, what's right? A well, because he's got work to do. He needs to convince him. Santa <laughs> oh, he's Claus in a hurry. Real. I get it. He's not just an uncaring, <laughs> like uh, unbelievably inept father. Well, he is that, too. I believe that things get muddled here. The sequence of events that we see may not be what actually happens. Because I think that Scott Calvin is the Santa who falls off the roof. I think he's up there. He was going to do something. Maybe he was setting up a decoration or maybe he himself was already dressed as Santa. I don't know. He was doing something to convince Charlie that Santa is real and he slips and falls off the roof. That's where he gets the head injury. And then everything that happens after is a fever dream. And it's hard for us to know exactly what happened. But we do know one thing. Santa is not real. <laughs> so. Yeah, so as usual, we're coming at this from the perspective of there is no magic in real life. Therefore, there is no magic in this movie. So anything that is yes. magic <laughs> must be explainable in real life. Brothers Grimm rules. <laughs> Scott Calvin, up to this point, has been inept and uncaring, but he has not really been what I would call unreasonable. Like, he's not just making stupid decisions just for the heck of it. From this point on, and for the rest of the Santa Claus series, every Santa Claus property, um, Scott Calvin begins to just constantly make incredibly questionable decisions, I guess I would say. Very yes, rash decisions, such as putting on a dead man's coat, uh, marrying a beautiful woman he'd only known for 20 seconds, <laughs> allowing a frozen <laughs> lunatic to take over the entire North Pole. Rewatching it as an adult, I can't help but like just wonder what the heck Scott Calvin's doing. Charlie goes up on the roof. Scott Calvin's like, Charlie, get down from there, and then follows him up on the roof. He not only follows him up, but he carries the dead man's clothes up on the roof with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he then gets in the sleigh. The sleigh flies to another house, and instead of being like, well, that was weird, let's get down from here, he's like, well, time to deliver some presents, I guess, and just starts delivering presents and puts on the dead man's clothes and just continues delivering presents all night. It's, uh, it's pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. I think that it's more likely that perhaps he was the one already up on the roof, already wearing a Santa costume, and he fell down and had a head injury. Right. And who knows what happened the rest of the night? Maybe he took Charlie just oh, riding around yeah. with him in his car. Yeah, and just delivered presents to houses. He had already hit it off with Judy, and he went, went to go meet Judy somewhere, and she gave him some pajamas because he maybe spent the night at her house. Maybe that's why he had to get the kid to sleep so fast. It's he possible. had to go meet up with Judy. <laughs> he's so, oh man, he's a horrible parent. Um, one thing's for sure, in my opinion, he definitely broke into a little front toothless child named Sarah's house and gave uh -huh. her a present and complained about her giving him cookies and milk. <laughs> I think he went out 
cruised around, got drinks with Judy, got drunk, and then... He broke into any house that the door wasn't locked. <laughs> because, yeah, because of alcohol and his head injury, he just broke into some random houses, uh, <laughs> Ate their threw some toys cookies, around. <laughs> yelled at them. We may never know exactly what happened on this night, but we do have a few clues about what might be happening in reality. Because... As they are finishing their strange night of cruising around in a sleigh or whatever, he says, when I'm going home, I'm, I'm getting, getting a cat, cat scan. scan. I think that part of him knows he needs one. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> he, he's maybe he, at least somewhat aware that he's lucidity. suffered a head he's injury. Like, Man, yeah. my head hurts and I'm seeing things that aren't real. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I believe in this movie, the North Pole is kind of in his mind. And we know that because when he enters, just, he's in a big... in my mind, trapped in my mind. <laughs> He's in a big dome-shaped room, kind of like, you know, the dome of Whoa. your head. And it's shaped often, like a brain. <laughs> this came right. from the head of a young boy. <laughs> Call back to our Flight of the Navigator episode. Dude, um, good episode if you like bad old movies. <laughs> Which you must if you're listening to this episode about the Santa yeah. Claus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's not a bad movie. It's a funny <laughs> Uh, and also, we know that snow globes are often what pull people into well, this delusion. And I, I think know that's a similar shape. That. I was going to ask you about snow globes. If all this is not real, then I can't help but feel like the snow globes have some extra meaning or like they are drug containers or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Because snow globes so, seem to trigger a lot of delusions. Um, right, I think maybe right. they're filled with angel dust. <laughs> right. And and we know angel dust does exist in their world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that is something that Santa Claus, <laughs> Scott Calvin, has access to. In the third movie, he has an associate. It's the Sandman, but he calls this person mm -hmm. his associate. He has this person drug, drug them the with dust. The family of his wife, yes. <laughs> and then he kidnaps them. And then he drugs them. himself and just falls asleep. <laughs> yes. So I believe that perhaps he's using a combination later on of drugs and some sort of like swirly hypnotizing trigger. The two things together, the drugs and the snow globe, can cause people to dissociate or believe in the delusion. Okay. Now, how do we know that this is all in his head when he's at the North Pole? Well, Bernard calls Charlie Sport. And Charlie comments to Scott, Hey, that's what you call me, Dad. I just want to point out Bernard, the head elf, um, amazing actor, played by David Krumholtz. No, Bernard is great. And I think what people love about him, though his personality changes completely in the second movie but it, <laughs> what happened in the second movie like geez <laughs> and then they just got rid of him and never mentioned him in the third movie he's I not know. even mentioned he's, they don't even say his name <laughs> i believe that bernard is just part of a manifestation of scott's personality he calls charlie sport and he also has the kind of a very similar sarcastic, grumpy sort of personality to Scott himself. Yeah, which is in like stark contrast to all the other elves who are constantly happy and kind of naive. Right. When they give Charlie a snow globe, when Bernard gives him a snow globe, you think this is Scott Calvin like bought his kid a toy he, or he found like a snow globe in one of these houses he broke into, <laughs> brought yeah. it out, gave it to his kid. <laughs> Yeah, okay. and he like did another voice. He's like, hey there, kid, I'm Bernard. Sport. He's like, how oh, you called me Sport, just like my dad, because you're my dad. <laughs> oh, no. So I think that Charlie's just going along with this, and he is immediately believing the delusion because he's small and little. Oh, and small I, and little. 
You're so eloquent. He's naive. He's young. (laughs) I believe Scott gives him this snow globe during this first part, and it unintentionally becomes kind of a trigger that makes Charlie think that all of this is real. And I think Scott realizes the power of the snow globe trigger later in this movie when it allows him to go back to the fantasy. I kind of feel like maybe it also brings Laura and Neil into the fantasy and it definitely brings Carol into the fantasy. Yeah, Carol (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. He got her good. Yeah. (laughs) He's having issues that might border on split personality, maybe an identity crisis uh, on this night. And we know that because in the clause it says the wear waives the right to any previous identity, real or implied. Mm. His mind is kind of forming this new identity, very confused and muddled. Still thinking about, I got to convince Charlie that Santa is real in this confused state. He's like, okay, I guess I'm Santa now. But but he's still confused. He's like, no, I'm not. Uh. So then Judy the Elf enters the room with a chocolate-based beverage, which it's is something like that the something Judy that at Denny's could not provide. couldn't get from Judy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So his mind is just remixing things that actually happened. And by the way, this part is intentional. Yeah, yeah. The movie does want you to question whether it was all a dream of some kind. Then... Scott kind of hits on this elf Judy a little bit, which is weird. (laughs) But she gives him this old family recipe of chocolate that took her presumably hundreds of years to get it right. The recipe is not too hot, extra chocolate, shaken, not stirred. Now, if you make like fancy hot chocolate, you'd make it with like a chunk of actual very high percentage of cocoa chocolate. So it'd be like bitter chocolate. And if you just dump a chunk of chocolate in not too hot <laughs> milk uh, and then shake it, that chocolate is not going to do much. <laughs> so, and it's not just so this is not too hot and extra chocolate. <laughs> so she just dumped tons of chocolate in this tepid milk and shook it and handed it to him. <laughs> it's the worst yeah. recipe ever. <laughs> It took her like 500 years to perfect it. It's not a good recipe. And it's not a complicated recipe either. As we'll learn, the elves are not that smart. No. They they say they're old, but they don't act old. They act very childlike. Her hot chocolate recipe is the world's worst hot chocolate recipe. Several bars of chocolate floating in tepid milk. It's great. The significance of Scott hitting on Judy, I believe that's there to tell us that that might have been what he did. He might have gone out and hit on Judy or met her after work or something that night, uh-huh. which is how he got the pajamas, right? Because, of course, they mentioned that later. His wife is like, Judy, the waitress, <laughs> she gave you pajamas? He says as he's going to sleep to Charlie, this is a dream. I see it, but I don't believe it. And then Charlie says the mantra of the whole series Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. And if that's not proof for this is all a delusion, I don't know what is. It's a fun little turn of phrase, but like if you listen to the meaning, it's actually kind of horrific. It's saying like... Your delusions are real as long as you believe in them enough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you believe hard enough, then you'll see it. You'll see your delusions right before your eyes. He wakes up in his own bed. And he has monogrammed pajamas. What? How did he get those? Oh, wait. The initials are SC. SC His name, Scott, Scott Calvin. I love they this. They try to imply that perhaps the waitress Judy gave them to him. Where is Judy going to get like personalized monogrammed pajamas at 12 right. at night on freaking Christmas? 
<laughs> it doesn't make any sense. She couldn't have right, gotten him Right, I think this pajamas. goes back to it must to be him something he owned already. Probably from his closet, but that doesn't mean he didn't go out with Judy last night. Everything's getting conflated in his mind. That's what Judy's hot chocolate will do to you. Within the normal interpretation of this movie, hot chocolate or hot cocoa at the North Pole is an intoxicant. <laughs> they they treat it as one and mm-hmm. most certainly is one. Uh, he goes to his son's school and his son says, he's Santa Claus. And he's like, no, I'm like Santa Claus. I work for a toy company. So they meet with the principal and Neil. Oh, I love Neil in this scene. He's so amazing. He's like, and did you go to the go North to Pole? The North Pole. <laughs> he's so good. He's such a good actor. Good writing. Man, what a character. It's a good question. <laughs> well, I mean, they need to know if Scott believes it as well. And it really is a good question. Neil's a good psychiatrist because Scott does Scott believe does it. does believe it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, but Neil asks if he can speak first because he's a doctor. Scott makes fun of him because he's a psychiatrist, once again showing his disdain for them. But a psychiatrist is exactly the kind of doctor they need in this situation. So he's totally correct in wanting to go first. They're worried about their son's mental state because he believes that he went to the North Pole last night. (laughs) (laughs) So Scott does give us some insight into what they may have actually done that night. They shared a bowl of sugar. They did some shots of brown oh, no. sugar. They played with his shotguns. Uh-huh. They they field-dressed a cat. They looked for women, probably Judy, yes. and they read the book Hollywood Wives. <laughs> wow. Great night with your little, little son. I guess the best evidence would point to this is the fact that it would be hard to come up with all of those extremely strange things <laughs> off the top of your head unless you actually did them. <laughs> right. Okay, so they're getting worried, I think, rightfully, because... Scott starts to let himself go. He grows a beard, he gets a big gut, and all of this could be explained by the fact that he is, like, a pretty depressed guy living all alone who just lost his wife and kid. And it's portrayed as, like, happening supernaturally quickly but that might just be his own perception because we know that this takes a year before he really becomes santa again and within a year you can certainly get a lot of hair and a lot of fat And he wants to be Santa. <laughs> yes, he does. He wants to be Santa because his son loves him yet. when he's Santa. His son didn't even like him before he was Santa. Right. So at the board meeting, his coworkers are absolutely disgusted by him. Yeah. And I, I think that we are seeing things from Scott's perspective. And if we were seeing them from the coworkers' perspective, it might look even worse. <laughs> even I though it already so looks pretty bad. <laughs> he shows up in like sweats <laughs> to a board <laughs> meeting and he's late. Like this board meeting is presumably like not first thing in the morning because they're ordering lunch and he wasn't even at work and he's late for the meeting. And and I think that Scott, uh, though they never say exactly what he is, there are hints that he is very high ranking at this company. And then when they order lunch, he orders like 15 things. Then this this provides us some insight into why he is fat. Because from his yes, perspective, it's it just totally happened. Reasonable. I'm just fat. I don't magical. know why I'm fat. <laughs> and then we see what he eats and it's a salad plus like 20 desserts. <laughs> right. And his boss is concerned with him. Dude, Scott has an awesome boss. We'll, we'll actually talk about him a little more later on. But first, let's talk about uh, <laughs> really? the doctor's office. Yeah, we will. Oh, So the, the doctor's office. Uh, the doctor presents very reasonable reasons why this might be happening to him. He's old, so his hair is gray and white. He hasn't been shaving. Now, the CAT scan 
I don't know if he actually got a cat scan. You don't scan. get a cat scan for a physical. He didn't go in for a cat scan. He went in for a physical. <laughs> right. So, yeah, he never If he got had the told the doctor, I fell two stories onto my head and have been having delusions of being Santa, then yes, he would have gotten a cat scan. Briefly had an out of body experience where I was staring at myself lying in the snow and then I disappeared. And, and then suddenly I, I was wearing clothes. the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, he didn't tell the doctor any of that, or at least. The Santa delusion. He didn't tell him that. So he just uh, got a regular physical and the doctor said, physically, you're fine. You're just a man who's gaining weight and old and growing hair. He's like, if right. you don't want to gain weight, you should diet. If you don't want all this hair, you should shave. <laughs> and both of those are good <laughs> advice. <laughs> right. Now, Scott says that his beard just comes back. But as we know, he's not very good at tracking time right now. He was late to his lunch meeting. And I mean, I've shaved a few times in my life. I can say from experience that whoa, beards really? do come back. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what? what whoa, 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 whoa. Back up, back up. I've only shaved once and I never had a beard, <laughs> even to begin oh, with. No. <laughs> well, how do we explain that his heart is playing jingle bells? Well, I explain that by the fact that the doctor it. says nothing. So mm -hmm. it must not have been that, that weird. That was Scott's delusion. Doctor just listened to his pulse and Scott heard jingle bells while his doctor did that. <laughs> Yes, Scott is crazy because if a doctor heard that, they would say something. That's serious. They'd be like, okay, let's get you an EKG. Like, we got to <laughs> examine your heart. It's fibrillating. <laughs> it's not pumping blood right. I, I, well, I don't know. This is just mean. But um, fat, beardless Tim Allen is hideous. Ugh. He is oh, so yeah. gross. He's bad. <laughs> I always thought that when he has brown hair and he's beardless, he looks a lot like the dad from the 10th Kingdom. Yes, yes he does. He looks just like him. I, I agree. <laughs> or from, I guess he was the bad guy in Richie Rich as well. All right. I was going to skip forward to when... The judge. The judge rules that Scott can't see Charlie anymore. She must have good reason. She does. She, I mean, this is... So Charlie comes out and he's like, don't worry, dad. I told the judge everything. He probably told him, well, we ate a bowl of sugar. <laughs> we played with some shotguns. <laughs> yep. And giving their judgment, they say, this is not something I would normally do at all. And especially, you know, given the holiday season, I don't want to split a family apart. But in light of the seriousness of the facts that have been brought to light, I cannot allow you to continue to have contact with your son. So whatever evidence this judge was given, it was very damning evidence. And uh, yeah. they immediately sign what seems to be like not only a custody agreement, but also a restraining order. Yeah, Because it seems yeah. like he's not allowed anywhere near his son anymore. In spite of this ruling, Scott bursts into... Laura and Neil's house and comes to see his son yep. <laughs> and he confronts them. <laughs> and it's at this point that I think he almost realizes that he actually isn't Santa. <laughs> yeah, he has a moment. Because Neil is really pressing him on it. He's like, do you still think you're Santa? And he says, I don't know <laughs> to Neil. And I think he really is starting to not know. He's like, this is kind of crazy. Right. Then Charlie comes up and gives them that the special snow globe <laughs> and he sees it come to life and he's like oh yeah it's kidnapping yeah. time <laughs> and scott asks for a moment alone with charlie which Ooh, why did laura give it to him alone with his son <laughs> charlie not only reminds him with the snow globe but charlie mentions again how bernard called him sport then Bernard shows up. Yeah, he's Bernard. <laughs> magically. He's here. <laughs> it's mm. a figment of of uh, scott's imagination suddenly appears Charlie asks Bernard, can I come? Bernard says, that's all right with me. Then he looks at Scott. 
you think he's going to say, if that's all right with you, Scott, but he doesn't. He just looks at Scott and then Scott kind of no. smiles. So he's, clearly he's that was just Charlie. <laughs> it's a that was just Charlie asking he's his like, dad. Yes, that's all right with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bernard and Scott are the same person right here. And, and it was Scott mm-hmm. who said, that's all right with me. And then kidnapped him. When Scott as Santa starts delivering presents, one of the houses we see him deliver presents to is of course the house of Sarah, the little girl from the beginning who he was so mean to. But what I noticed is that Sarah in the initial scene where Scott, you know, the first time he delivered presents, she's missing her two front teeth. And now a year later, she's still missing her two front teeth. Oh, <laughs> She's missing the same teeth. Oh, so hmm. that leads me to believe that either Sarah is a figment of Scott's imagination or she lost her permanent teeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. She got her front teeth knocked out. So, I, I absolutely love this detail because in the normal interpretation of the movie, there is actually good evidence that Sarah's parents are abusive. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. The Santa <laughs> clauses. Go he goes yes. back to Sarah, and as an adult, she's sleeping yep. on the couch. And we learn yep. it's because they were forcing her to sleep on the couch. It had nothing to yep. do with Christmas. No, they, they put her on the couch every <laughs> night. That's her bed. <laughs> she sleeps on the couch even when she was a little kid (laughs) and i don't think that's a very good practice you know with your little kid but not your adult kid either especially if they live there if they're just staying one night (laughs) yep oh boy (sighs) poor sarah i have a lot of questions for you regarding the rest of the movie where you're gonna have to prove to me that your theory holds water (laughs) oh no (laughs) he breaks into his ex-wife's house to deliver presents to charlie And he gets arrested because the police are lying in wait because they assume he will return to the scene of the crime. Right. If there are no flying elves, then who got Charlie off the roof? (laughs) And what did the policeman see flying away? Before this, Scott gets a new sleigh. I think he just went crazy and bought a cool car and drove around with Charlie in it. Then I think in his insane state... He just goes back to Charlie's house because he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you (laughs) mentioned this because... Once again, I just have to reiterate that in this universe, cocoa means alcohol. And he has a cocoa dispenser in his car, which he immediately makes use of. So I'm pretty sure that he just loaded the glove compartment with uh, cookies and alcohol. And his son finds it and it's like, hey, dad, you want some? You love this stuff. And he's like, I don't know what I did without you. (laughs) Here's what I think about ELFS and Scott getting arrested and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of that happens. You don't, don't think, think he that... got arrested? No, I don't think he got arrested. We have no confirmation from an outside source other than Charlie Scott and ELFS that Charlie was actually on the roof. Yeah, and Charlie's not reliable. I don't think he was on the roof. And I think that the cop is just clumsy and spills his coffee for no reason because okay. he doesn't call it in. <laughs> he doesn't say like, ah, uh, oh, the child just flew over my head. Even if he thinks <laughs> he's going crazy, he should still call it in. <laughs> okay. What about the cop that they like hogtied and wrapped up at the police station? Right. That's what, what I, I don't, I don't really apart. think happened. Okay. So this is just Charlie having fun imagining. It's possible they just found Charlie at their yeah. house. Well, that's the next thing. After he gets out, Scott does just bring Charlie home. Maybe none, none of, of that happened, happened at all. Yeah. It doesn't mean that she didn't call the police. Maybe she, they even had her look at a lineup. Doesn't necessarily mean that he was arrested. And then when he brings them back, you know, maybe they didn't press charges because he pulls them into his delusion right after that. Well, and I actually took issue with them having her look at a lineup because they wouldn't do that unless they had caught 
the suspect. <laughs> like they they, yeah. they don't they, they didn't the only, understand the only what lineups are. For. <laughs> lineups aren't just gathering random people and having a witness like confirm well is he one of these guys <laughs> that's not what lineups are lineups yeah. are where you have a suspect and then you bring in a bunch of people who are definitely unrelated to the case so yeah. that you can have the suspect without any sort of direction from you point to the person who is involved in the case which helps to prove that yes that suspect was involved in the case because they were picked out of a crowd of you know random people instead what they've done is gather a bunch of suspects put them in a room and then just have her say well are all of these suspects the guy and she's like no why would they be <laughs> none of them are scott calvin so no <laughs> Right, so maybe that didn't happen either, because that doesn't make any sense. No, it, it's like a child's <laughs> understanding of what a lineup was, which makes me think it was from Charlie's point of view. Perhaps. He talks to Laura and Neil and somehow brings them into his delusion. When he took Charlie away, the stress of possibly losing her child put Laura and Neil in this fragile mental state, which made it easier for... Scott Calvin to kind of bring them into the delusion. And Laura gets like really into it. She's so excited. Like she's not treating Scott Calvin as Scott Calvin, her ex-husband anymore. She's treating him as Santa, the deity figure, like the, the mystical, all-powerful man. Also, I want to point out that Neil doesn't buy it. He says he's sucking us into his delusions. Look at the elaborate measures he's taken. This is what proves that this is what is happening because Neil is calm and composed in nearly every situation. And yet he's freaking out here. And if he says he's sucking us into his delusions, I believe that Neil would know if that's what he was doing. <laughs> But Bernard gives them the snow globe. Again, I believe the glass ball represents the brain. And he says, all you got to do is shake it whenever you want to see your dad. Oh, no. I think this Give is a reference a to, to Scott's head trauma that originally caused this. He's saying, yeah, all you got to do is get some head trauma and you'll be in the delusion again. Then it zooms out to literally show the sleigh flying away inside of the snow globe <laughs> representing uh -huh. his mind. They're his telling mind. us this was all in his mind. And also, when they came out before, there's like a huge crowd and tons of cops. Suddenly, we zoom out of that mind globe and there's no crowd or cops. They're just yeah, all, they're gone. all gone. They just what, what happened? And yeah, then his, his they, they then home. Laura comes out of the house. Did she just leave her son out in the cold for hours? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that, that that crowd wasn't there. The police weren't there. That's the Santa Claus one. Okay, so we start out the Santa Claus 2, deep in Scott's delusion. By the way, the Santa Claus 2, the worst movie in the series. I agree. It is the worst movie in the series. The Santa Claus 2 is basically a movie about Santa Claus finds out that he needs a Mrs. Claus. He needs a wife. Otherwise, he's not allowed to be Santa anymore. So he has to return to the real world, get a wife, and come back to the North Pole. In the meantime, he has left a toy Santa in charge who kind of becomes a bit of like a Nazi and tries to take over. What does Nazi toy Santa represent? <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you. I believe that in this movie, Scott has actually moved to another location. I think that his company didn't want him around because he was being weird, but they couldn't fire him. And so they moved him to a manufacturing facility in another country. Perhaps it's in Greenland. Canada. Perhaps it's Canada. Those are two of the countries that are mentioned. I don't know where it is. All I know is that they use child labor at this manufacturing facility. Oh, no. <laughs> it's probably not in Greenland or Canada then. <laughs> 
but I do know that it's kind of secretive. He doesn't like bringing people there. And I believe that the Nazi Santa kind of represents him taking control of this manufacturing facility. It's him losing his values and becoming like a dictator of his own little sweatshop. That's what I make of a Nazi Santa. (laughs) Interestingly enough, this movie starts out with like them spotting an airplane and going to Elf Defcon 3 and then right. Elf Defcon 2. Not not Defcon, Elfcon. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know. I was just being extra. No, I, you know, I think this sure has to do with what Scott's it. doing at this manufacturing facility to save costs isn't exactly legal. And so I think they kind of have oh, to so the police uh, lay by low outside. <laughs> when, yeah, the, the, the facilities arrive. And it, it, this is going to get a little confusing because we are still in Scott's delusion. So things aren't quite what they seem. So we have to find out what, what might actually be going on. They are almost discovered by this airplane due to the elf Curtis. Curtis, I think, is kind of generally disliked by the Santa Claus fan base because he replaced Bernard. Is there a widespread Santa Claus fan base? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's huge. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Because he replaced Bernard. I like Bernard. I love Bernard. I actually don't mind Curtis. I think he's a very good actor. Yeah, Curtis is fine. I got nothing against him. He's especially good in Wonder Falls as the psychotic kid that uh, wants to marry Uh. Jay Tyler. (laughs) I would like to see him as an adult in the new Disney Plus series as well. Me too. (laughs) I have a sub-theory about Curtis that is in the normal interpretation of the movie, so not the delusional one. I believe that Curtis really wants to sabotage Santa and get someone else in charge. Because that is what he does in Santa Claus 2 and 3. And (laughs) 3. I don't know what he did to Bernard, but he gets rid of Bernard, takes over as number one elf. He tried to get Nazi Santa to take over with him in charge of Nazi Santa. When that didn't work, he decided to get Jack Frost in charge. (laughs) Just to reinforce your theory that Scott Calvin is still working just in another country... In this movie, before he returns to America, he's just like going around helping the elves learn how to make toys more correctly, which they should know how to do better than he does if they're really, you know, thousand year old elves. So I think this actually reinforces the fact that he's just at a toy factory with like a bunch of kids who don't know how to do this. And this is his (laughs) actual job. And I think he's just imagining that it's the North Pole. Like that makes perfect (laughs) sense to me. And some further proof. So this is what I wanted to point out is that his actual boss from the first movie, that great boss that we talked about, plays Father Time in the Council of Legendary Figures. He does, you're right. (laughs) He's having those meetings still that he had in the first one. He still works for that company. He has board meetings. He's just in his mind imagining them as like the Tooth Fairy. There's Mother Nature, Father Time. (laughs) (laughs) But it's still his boss. And so I think that, you know, he he he's still going to his boring job. He's having board meetings he's going to the manufacturing facility that's really great yeah he's like just kind of making it more interesting for himself (laughs) Mm -hmm. he begins to revert back to scott calvin he starts losing weight he starts his beard shrinks the desantification process has begun (laughs) as the elves put it clearly he just realized i'm kind of lonely i'd like to get married maybe i should get in shape (laughs) shave right well and (laughs) he's like maybe this whole delusion just isn't working for me anymore (laughs) like sure it let me connect with my son but now he's a teenager and like acting out and doing graffiti and it's not really helping me connect with him anymore so what use do i have being santa it kind of just sucks I also have to point out that when they say there's trouble with Charlie and he says, 
oh no, Charlie Sheen? I thought he straightened out. <laughs> that Uh-oh. aged like milk. Um. <laughs> I love how Tim Allen just does his Buzz Lightyear voice for Toy Santa. Like, I know. That's the voice the for Buzz toys. Voice. And he even has him quote Buzz Lightyear for he no reason. He said, you are a sad, strange little man for no yeah, reason. He knew it was his Buzz Lightyear voice. But you know. You gotta, you gotta give respect to Tim Allen. But for I that. like he it; it's consistent. He He's like, "This is <laughs> yeah. how toys sound." <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my toy voice. <laughs> Plastic Santa sure is like into the sauce. Um, he loves cocoa. Oh yeah, <laughs> he can't so, get enough cocoa. This one really establishes like cocoa is some sort of intoxicant, especially for Plastic Santa. Yeah, <laughs> he he needs more cocoa all the time. So I kind of think that this means that Dictator Scott, meaning the Scott who is busy running the sweatshop, has become an alcoholic <laughs> like he can't get through the day without more cocoa he needs I'd, cocoa <laughs> i don't think it's alcohol i think it's cocaine because <laughs> oh, no. like the way he acts <laughs> when he drinks is like whoa let's get to work <laughs> let's make toys like and i think that that is supported by the fact that the sandman is one of his associates who is in their board meetings but mm-hmm. also clearly provides him with drugs <laughs> so. well in the next movie He wants to give everyone coal. He says every kid is naughty. So I'm wondering if maybe you think like he is sabotaging his factory. (laughs) I don't know. What's he doing? Maybe he's not necessarily sabotaging. He's probably looking for cost cutting methods. And he's like, hmm, how can we make these toys cheaper? And, you know, like, so they're, you know, they just fall apart. They're not quality. They're like lumps of coal. (laughs) He's got 28 days to find a wife. I think they could have mentioned this to him earlier. Um, But I have to ask you, does the 28 days thing have like an in theory meaning? (laughs) Like, is there a reason he set that time limit for himself to find a woman? In 28 days is Christmas. And I think that he subconsciously knows that around Christmas, probably the delusion will take him over again. And he's not going to be able to find a wife. And and another part of him is really lonely and wants some companionship. So he's he's just hanging out with Carol, the principal. A little girl walks up to him and she's like, I've been really good this year. It's kind of a, an odd scene. Anyway, the, the point of this scene is always that he knows her name. And Carol's like, how did you know her name? Well, oh, how did Scott know that? Well, he says she had a necklace that said her name on it. And I think that's the explanation there. She did have a necklace. Uh-huh. You can look and she's got a lot of like coats and sweaters on. So it's possible she was wearing a necklace that he could see, but we couldn't. Some good proof for your theory is that nobody cares at all that Scott is losing so much weight and ungraying his hair and shaving his beard. Like he becomes a new man in like days because this is only 28 days, right? Nobody cares. And I think that that makes much more sense if you take this to mean that he's kind of just getting his life back together and people think this is a good thing. So, of course, they're not going to, like, call him out on it. They're not going to be like, what's happening? You're not Santa anymore. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, go, Scott. (laughs) Good job. Yeah. So Scott is on a date with Carol. And she starts to explain to him about how her dad was so dedicated to Christmas, he would pretend to be Santa. He would eat the cookies, muss up the place, gnaw on the carrots, leave presents. In universe, I'm just wondering, this is a universe where Santa actually exists. So wouldn't real Santa have really come down their chimney and actually done all those things and done it right? (laughs) 
Well, it's quite possible that in universe, Scott Calvin killed Carol's father. Oh, no. No, Santa wasn't Scott Calvin back then. They were both kids back then. No, no. I mean, Carol's father has been Santa for a while and Scott Calvin killed him as an Carol's adult. Carol's father was never actually Santa. You're saying no, no. he was actually Santa. Yes, he was the previous Santa, or at least a previous oh, my Santa. Gosh. That's why he did all that. <laughs> oh, okay. But her dad's still alive in the next movie, unless that's like her stepdad. That would oh, make gosh, a lot of sense right. because oh. in the next movie, her dad's Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that is her stepdad that she then names her child after, but does not use that name. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't that attached to him. <laughs> So on the way to the state, there are several things that perhaps can only be explained by magic. First of all, there is a sleigh waiting outside. But is this a sleigh drawn by reindeer? No, it's a horse-drawn sleigh that you can rent. Uh -huh. I think Scott just rented a sleigh because he's trying to seduce this woman uh -huh. or whatever, <laughs> romance her. Um, now, oh, wait, he also somehow gets her like hot cocoa. Well, that might explain why she, you know, he's drugging her. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. It's, <laughs> it's cocoa, in quotes. <laughs> right, yeah. She's yeah, got a cup I of cocoa. Uh, also, it starts raining snow on them, only over them. I think it just started snowing. Okay. How did he know what the people want at the party? So at the party, he starts just tossing out presents and they're like, this is the thing I always wanted. And everyone's happy. And somehow this makes for a good party. Mm. How did he do this? Well, first of all, he works for a toy company that has been around for a while. I believe he would have access to vintage toys. And as far as knowing, I think he just guessed. Every adult has tons of toys they feel nostalgic about or that they wanted. Yeah, just pick toys from the right, you know, decade where that person grew up and you're bound to get something they're interested in. It's not like they were thinking about those toys before he gave it to them. It's when they see it, they're like, oh, yeah, like it could have been any toy that, that, that they just happened to kind of have a connection with. Mm -hmm. But then he does give the doll to Carol. The doll that uh, she was just telling him about in the sleigh. And she's like, how could you have gotten this so soon? Now, I think that Carol's memory is probably a little bad. She doesn't remember the exact doll. I think he just had a doll. And she told him about how she always wanted a pink doll. So among his many presents that he brought, he just gave her a doll. Okay. We see that he does definitely know how to bring people into his delusion. And then he does so later with, when he hypnotizes her with the snow globe, which is Whoa. a trigger that he must have somehow done with her during their date with the cocoa. I think he drugged her a little and he, he established yeah. the snow globe trigger. He which choked her up. Then he gets Charlie to do it so that, you know, he's he's not the one responsible if if, if anyone gets in trouble. Oh, whoa. <laughs> he's so he's so crafty. You're right. But that what other explanation is for that? Carol is a totally rational, reasonable person who is totally mm -hmm. into her career. She's serious. She's professional. And yet she sees a snow globe and bam. Complete personality change. She yeah, is a different person by number three. Like, it's crazy how quick that happens. Well, and I think it's pretty crazy of Scott in, in universe. I think it was pretty insane of him to, like, just straight up tell her that he's Santa and then not show her any proof of it and expect her to believe him. Yeah. Like, he didn't even try to prove it. He didn't nope. make any magic happen. He didn't, like, dress up as Santa. Yeah. He, he looks nothing like Santa and is not doing any magic. <laughs> so why should she believe him? Right. Like, she really should make him leave because, A, he's either making fun of her or, B, completely insane. <laughs> and she makes the right choice and throws him out. So. Right. And we would go with B. And the reason that he didn't do anything magical there was because he can't. He can't. He's not he magical. magic. He already he's Scott used Calvin. all his tricks. Like you said, he just had some toys from his... <laughs> from his work i feel bad for carol 
basically she was like pressured into marrying Scott. Like it was very unfair for them to kind of spring that on her where they're like, if you don't marry me right now, there will be no Santa and no one will get presents this year. <laughs> like they didn't really give her a choice. Yeah. And he kind of kidnapped her to the North Pole and brainwashed her just like her parents. Well, think. no, the tooth fairy did. And I don't know why he did. But well, anyway. he works for Scott. <laughs> he, he was true. in that meeting, so he must work. Right. For the the toy tooth company. fairy is just like his personal limo driver. Yeah. <laughs> so he just called him. He's like, I need a ride. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And he's like, oh, yeah, I can just call my limo driver <laughs> and then got a ride. <laughs> well, poor Carol. She's doomed to a life as an old woman. And that is the setup for. The Santa, Santa Claus 3, The, the Escape, Escape Clause. So let me just quickly summarize the plot of this movie. So toy mogul Scott Calvin works at a sweatshop in some other country where he works children making toys. Are you summarizing the actual <laughs> plot or some sort of theory <laughs> fake plot? Well, I don't remember that I, I feel like this is the actual plot. Now, young hot executive named Jack comes in and wants to take over Scott's job at the manufacturing plant. And then Scott eventually gets transferred back to the C-suite where he's just kind of in, in the office. Scott doesn't like that. So eventually he's like, hey, I want to control my manufacturing plant again. And instead, the executive Jack gets promoted to the C-suite and Scott takes over his manufacturing plant again. So I see where you're going with this. I just want to summarize the movie for real for anyone who <laughs> oh, hasn't seen wait, it. That's not the real. <laughs> that's what I got out of it. <laughs> the plot of this movie is that Jack Frost wants Santa's job. Jack Frost being the mythical figure who brings about winter, right. I guess. That's basically um, what he's I mad said. Because he doesn't have a holiday. He wants Santa's holiday and he thinks he can become Santa. He finds out about the escape clause, which is basically a, a clause in Santa's contract where he can go back in time to when he originally became Santa and reset the universe so that he's no longer Santa. And Jack Frost wants to use that to become Santa. Yeah, it's a pretty powerful clause. Way more know, powerful than like the other two. It's way more powerful than I thought. <laughs> so you think that Santa decides to kidnap carol's parents like in in the movie they are bringing her parents down for christmas for unknown reasons it's because carol's not happy there and i think this couldn't goes she back... go to them for christmas no because santa <laughs> won't let her leave scott calvin has kidnapped right, right, carol right. here and has brainwashed her into believing he is santa he's not going to let her leave but she's unhappy so he's like, maybe I can kidnap her parents here, too, for like a day and drug them a little. OK. Car Carol's father points out several times that Carol is brainwashed and being held hostage. And also that that she's just so into Scott that she's too delusional to realize that. And as I already said, her personality has completely changed. Instead of a professional career oriented woman, her only worry is let's decorate the tree, honey. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> just the tree. Like it's uh, like Scott has just just inundated her with these completely yes, mundane things to a point where her, her brain. brain rotted away. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And now he's kind of realizing what he's done to her. He's like, oh, how could I fix this? Maybe her parents can deal with it. <laughs> so he enlists the help of his friendly neighborhood drug dealer, the Sandman, who is played by Worf from Star Trek The Next Generation, which I thought was pretty wow. cool. They drug the parents and then drug themselves and then bring them to the North Pole. I think that it is very clear that 
Carol's mom and dad both had different flights to the North Pole <laughs> because Carol's <laughs> mom went first class and Carol's dad did not go first class. All Carol's dad has to say is that he's got four nuts in a pouch, which I can only assume is like a <laughs> genital reference. Because yeah. why would you ever say that otherwise? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, quit bragging, dude. The rest of us are only two nuts in a pouch. Got, <laughs> you're making us feel bad. I don't know if that's anything to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> All I remember about the flight is that I'm a freaking mutant. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I was wondering, do you think... That Jack, the executive in our theory, is actually going around and physically sabotaging the production facilities. Yes, I think that that Jack is a younger executive who is, wants control of this manufacturing plant because he thinks he actually can do a better job. And, and could. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and he turns it into something lucrative, which is he turns it into a theme park because he's like, well... You know, instead of just making toys and sending Everyone them out. Everyone loves slaves. <laughs> you can come see them. <laughs> maybe we'll bring them here. Maybe he, he maybe he's he's paying them more now. The, uh, the, the children. The child, the child labor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Martin Short is great as Jack Frost. And I love, love, love how weirdly horny he is toward everyone. Oh, he's so into everyone, <laughs> but especially Carol's parents. Oh, man. You don't want to talk about Carol's mom and Jack singing to each other? I mean, I t not much to say about that other than it's great. <laughs> dude, like, dude, sing it Jack again. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. <laughs> sing it again. <laughs> Would you be my elf? <laughs> what? You heard Ooh. me. <laughs> now, it's interesting because the last person he said, Would you be my elf to was uh, a child? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. So now we get into the bit of the delusion where Scott gets reassigned to be an executive. We see him now in a world where he never became Santa. He's in like a executive room with one guy and they're making business decisions for whatever reason, at which point he kind of snaps out of it. And it's like, wait, why are we here? Why are we working on Christmas? And the guy's like, we always work on Christmas. And he's like, that's not right. What about our families? He's like, I don't know about your family. You never talk about them. <laughs> and he's like, I got to go. I got to find my family. Now, I just got to point out that this is no different from where he's Santa and always working on Christmas mm -hmm. and not, yes. never with his family on Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's the same. They Well, they try and portray it as if it's like a huge difference for him and he's so shocked that he would allow this to happen, but it's just his life. It's the same. <laughs> right. Which is great, I mean, for the theory because he, it shows that he's just snapping out of the delusion. His life is mm -hmm. the same. He's still working on Christmas, but he's realized, oh, yep. I was reassigned to the C-suite. I'm not at my sweatshop anymore, and I'm working on Christmas like I always do. <laughs> I don't believe any of this is a delusion. I think this is all real life. Oh. So he drives to go see Laura in his Mustang, which proves that he did buy a fancy car at one yeah, point. Yeah, it's got a cookie <laughs> cocoa dispenser. <laughs> right. Um, and then... He talks to Laura and she's like, Neil and I got a divorce and also Charlie hates you and Carol. What are you even talking about Carol? She's not here because she is at his sweatshop still. Right. <laughs> she did move away. <laughs> right. Or or she moved to wherever he lived. Like she is still married to him. You know, I think that that as they pointed out, it's weird earlier in the movie that his ex-wife is there and they're so cool with him. And Neil is so cool mm -hmm. with him. I think that was just him imagining it. They're and this really is what there. it's really like. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Is that they didn't stay together. Lucy is with Neil, Charlie is with Laura, and Carol is with Scott. I mean, that makes <laughs> sense to me. I can buy it. And he's just befuddled and confused because of, you know, his his mental illness he has. <laughs> he probably does this every Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they don't seem that surprised to see him. They are like, what are you doing here? But it's more of like an annoyed thing than like a <laughs> baffled thing. <laughs> what I can't buy is in universe, why would Jack Frost turn the North Pole into a theme park? And why doesn't anybody care <laughs> that Santa's real and the North Pole's a theme park? In my interpretation, I think that the new executive came in, was like, it's going to be a theme park. People are going to come to us and it's going to be Santa themed and I'll dress as Santa. <laughs> okay. My interpretation is that this is an actual theme park. And I think Neil and Lucy did go there. And so did Scott. I, I think there is a, a good line here that kind of proves what I was saying earlier about Scott hating psychiatrists and therapy because he runs into neil and neil says scott i know you think therapy is like witchcraft but you of all mm. people might consider it mm. <laughs> so i think that's proof that like scott kind of maybe does this every year he maybe gains a little bit of lucidity as he does in every single movie he gains lucidity he every turns movie, back yep. into himself you know i think every christmas this happens and you know his family who are maybe no longer sucked into the illusion they kind of came into their senses are like, oh, Scott, you again, you really need help. <laughs> that makes sense to me. So I don't think they went back in time and switched, obviously. But last time Scott acted really crazy, they sent him to be in charge of the sweatshop. So I think he had maybe started getting better. They brought him back into the C-suite. But then he goes here to Jack Frost's place and he starts acting really crazy. <laughs> and which yeah. is what he does. He gets up on stage. They're like, all right, let's send him back to running the manufacturing plant. And maybe Jack, as you know, he gets his white suit. And I think maybe that represents him being promoted to the C-suite. And, and <laughs> Scott was demoted. So Jack doesn't just get a white suit. Basically, they want him to unfreeze Laura and Neil. And he says, I will never do that because to unfreeze them, I have to unfreeze myself. This is the most which is a bit of a shocking revelation. Just put it at the end of your movie. <laughs> Lucy is going to thaw out Jack with her magical Christmas hugs. I don't know why Lucy has magical hug powers, but she does. It's almost like they had like created a problem and didn't know how to write a solution to it. So it's <laughs> like, what about magical hug powers? Yeah, I mean, they established that early on, but you're thinking, oh, she'll use that to thaw out her parents. <laughs> but no, mm -hmm. she has to thaw That's out definitely Jack what Frost. I thought. But yeah, she thought out Jack Frost, <laughs> a man who was not frozen. And then we're treated to the best dialogue ever, where Jack says, what's happening to me? And Lucy says, I'm warming your heart. And Jack says, but they told me it couldn't be done. <laughs> and she says, they didn't know about magical hugs. <laughs> At which point I just had to slow clap because <laughs> that's the best dialogue I've ever heard in any movie ever. <laughs> Exposition right at the end of the movie. They didn't know about magical hugs. <laughs> Neither did the audience until just now. <laughs> right. And who told you it couldn't be done? It's, it's ironic. <laughs> it's meta level. Humor. It's so good, man. I've never heard dialogue like that. Like that was just out of nowhere. Santa decides to name his child Buddy Claus. I'm wondering, shouldn't he be named Buddy Calvin? But then in the TV show, The Santa Clauses, it turns out his middle name is Calvin and they call him Cal. 
So his name would be Buddy Calvin Calvin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a really cool his name. His name is Calvin Calvin. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Calvin Calvin, which is the perfect name that a completely insane, deranged lunatic would give to his son. <laughs> At the very end of this movie, when Santa's talking about like how grateful he is and stuff, Carol asks him, just another evidence in the cocoa theory, says, have you been drinking cocoa? <laughs> when he's acting <laughs> weird. <laughs> so, I mean, it's pretty, I, if we haven't proven that yet, it's definitely proven. All right, that's everything I have to say about the Santa Claus 3. I have a lot to say about the Santa Clauses, the new Disney Plus TV series. And the most, Whoa, the most important hurry. thing I have to say about that series is just that I think the people who worked on it have done an amazing job of staying true to the source material for this revival while while also making fun of it yeah yes while making fun of it which is great (laughs) i mean that's what you should do with a revival yeah uh, i think they actually did a a really good job on the on the the tv show it's fantastic it's so good i think it's the funniest of all of them like i actually liked the jokes now i thought that I would dislike Noel because he's he's like a replacement for Curtis and Bernard. Yeah, kind I know. Of. Not really. Too. I but like, he's great. I love Noel. I know, he's I love him. so, he's so funny. Cool. He's so into Santa. <laughs> like Santa I is love, his life. I love Noel and Betty. Like, I think they're yeah. such a great, no, terrible, dysfunctional first, couple. <laughs> when when Betty first came on into a scene, I was like, yep, I'm not going to like her. She's, she's a horrible actor and I don't think she's good. She's a great actor. She's perfect. Perfect for that character. Mm-hmm. She couldn't be better. Like, she's so good at playing that elf. And he's so good at playing her husband who's actually in love with Santa her, does and not doesn't like care at all about her. But she's totally into him. Oh she's like, gosh. oh, he's so goofy. I know. <laughs> it's funny because she's the non-emotional one. And yet she's head over heels for him. And he's the super emotional one. And he can't. He doesn't give a crap about her. It's so uh, good. So, yeah, if you get nothing else out of this, you should watch the new show for Noel and Betty alone. Yeah, but also just on it stands on its own merit. It is the best Santa Claus movie or TV show to come out. It's better than I I would understand if people don't agree with this, but I think it's better than the original movie. I think it probably doesn't stand on its own as well as the original movie because it builds on what the other three movies have made. Right. So watch the original movie, then watch the new TV show. Yeah. Even every episode's pretty tight. Like, unlike no, some other true. Disney Plus TV shows that have come out that have yeah. like meandering episodes where nothing happens, every episode in this has like lots of comedy, lots of jokes, lots of good writing, and lots of actual plot moving forward. Yeah, <laughs> There's no fluff. It does. Good callback that they started by going back to Sarah, the little kid's house from the original movie, the first person he ever visited. I really thought that she was going to still be missing her front teeth. And I was just, <laughs> oh. I was deeply, deeply disappointed when I saw <laughs> yeah. that. That would have she been She must great. have gotten tooth implants. That's that all makes I can sense. Think she's of. an adult now. <laughs> still sleeping on the I couch. I love that she's still sleeping <laughs> on the couch. She's still living with her parents. It's so good. It's like they knew what they were well, doing. Well, I just it's think it's so <laughs> crazy that Santa assumed she would be there. And it turned out she was, she but was. she should not have been. <laughs> 28 no, years. No, it's a bad thing that she's there. <laughs> now, I think that Scott Calvin, the deranged old man that he is, actually did go back to this house, the very first house he ever <laughs> broke into. And I think that he found this same little girl. 
And I think that he just literally broke into this woman's house <laughs> and she got real scared and tried to throw like wine bottles at him. And he calmed her down, gave her an old used Polly Pocket case <laughs> that he found at like a garage sale and then realized that he couldn't get up the chimney because he's not magic <laughs> and had to go out the door. Which is probably what he's always had to do. The general plot of the Santa Clauses is that Scott now runs the company, I think totally. Mm -hmm. His company has dropped and now only has a 17% market share. They tell us that in the very mm -hmm. beginning. And yes, he knows do. he's going out and his company, his shareholders are probably mad. So he has decided that he needs to hire a replacement, a new CEO for okay. this toy company. With his advanced age, I think that his brain is completely starting to fail. And his failing brain is limiting him from living out his delusion. It's failing brain is curing his mental illness. Well, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not curing it, but it's making it him. He's incapable of carrying it on as well as he could before. He um, has to see reality his, now because his brain's broken. <laughs> he it starts randomly running out of magic just for no reason and unexpectedly. In the TV show, they even explain it as if it's a byproduct of his age. He's talking to his wife and he says, the world is just different, honey. It's it's people. It's like they're misfiring. They're disconnected. He doesn't mean people. He means my brain. He's talking about his brain neurons. They're misfiring. They're disconnected. And then he says, and my, and my magic failed. <laughs> his brain failed. <laughs> it's Whoa. not working right. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty good. We also learned that... Uh, Mental illness does run in the family because his daughter mm -hmm. believes that mm -hmm. animals can talk. Or at the very least, her mother thinks her daughter is crazy. Right. I love that they telegraphed that so early by having her mom worried that she could hear animals talking. And then like, three episodes they don't later, back, she does do hear an animal talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And Carol herself is going a little loopy. She doesn't understand mm -hmm. what her name is. She's like, am I Nancy? <laughs> yeah. And then wow. when someone calls her Carol, she's like, that was my before name. What's yeah. my name now? <laughs> like, she's gone oh, off the rails. Too much brainwashing by Santa for so many years. One interesting thing is that Santa has trained his child workers to hate vacations and love working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, great <laughs> like work. He's ethic so good at brainwashing. <laughs> Everyone's worried that now he's going to retire. Do you think that this is really just him worrying that he's going to retire soon and the workers don't care? He's certainly worried that the workers won't care when he retires. Yeah. And I honestly was happy they pointed that out in the show. <laughs> that like, mm -hmm. yeah, I got here and no one cared that the other Santa was dead. It's true. I mean, they're so good. They point out everything. I love that. They, they make fun of the original so well. When Santa is looking for a successor, so he finds out about the secession clause, he needs to essentially hire someone to replace him. So Betty, the, mm -hmm. I believe she's the new head elf, gives Santa a list of possible successors that she compiled since yesterday. And it looks huge. And she explains this by saying, it's my job to be efficient. But if you look at the list mm -hmm. and we see the entry for Gideon Hopkins, a 44-year-old mail carrier from Boise, Idaho. He's divorced from someone named Annette. His cookie type is chocolate chip. But then you get to his biography and the biography is filled out in paragraphs. But the words all say things like decorate, snow, marry, hug, marry, a holiday, oh, cookie, no. presents, Christmas, <laughs> card, candles. He's just writing elf words. <laughs> 
so she really didn't put a lot of work into this. I think she's just trying to get him to retire oh, no, in faster. Her elf line, she did. That's what elves <laughs> right, do. It's true. Right? Right? Christmas stuff. They make pillows out, out of, of marshmallow. <laughs> they, they make braces out of sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does oh, not seem so effective. Cool. No, I love. I, I love, love how, how they were making they fun get of the elves into the stupid world of elves. <laughs> yeah. He visits Charlie. He does look like John Hammond, which was the next of these fun little quirky jokes that I was going to point out. <laughs> They're like, hey, where'd you come from, Jurassic Park? <laughs> I love that he takes his lemonade with no lemons and extra sugar. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great water. drink. <laughs> extra sugary water. <laughs> and it's especially amazing once we find out that Charlie's wife, who made him this lemonade does not know that he's santa <laughs> she thinks he's a greenland living uh, shrimp fisher, yeah, shrimp fisher. <laughs> <laughs> there's good evidence for the theory here because she won't leave him alone with charlie saying he'll mm-hmm. do anything for you so charlie will do anything for well, santa yeah. and that's the charlie we know right? he would do anything for santa <laughs> I, I think that she knows even if she doesn't know that scott is santa that he's good at drawing people into his delusions and machinations well, yeah she's Probably spent years deprogramming Charlie. <laughs> I really want Santa's sit on my lap and tell me what you want shirt. <laughs> right. And girl says, so oh, you shouldn't have even been wearing that here. No, don't wear that shirt. That's a horrible shirt. <laughs> and the third episode ends with Scott and his family waking up in Chicago. Uh, Scott in full Christmas with Whoa. the cranks mode. Just and none of them Tim realize Allen. that he's... Scott. Yeah, they can't they recognize, can't recognize him, him, which is great because they've never seen him that way. Okay, that's it. What do you think? Do you think that Scott Calvin had a head injury and became delusional and also pulled other people into his delusion? I would say that this is clearly not the intended interpretation of the movie, except that there's so many hints to it in the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> they talk about him needing a CAT scan, they talk about the waitress, Judy, who gave him those pajamas. There's so much that they kind of cast doubt on the whole Santa thing purposefully where we're supposed to question it. And if we're supposed to question it, then we're just we're just doing what the director yeah. wanted us to do. Right. <laughs> you know, and it makes a lot of sense if you start to put the puzzle pieces together. Now, do I really think this is the intended interpretation of the show or of the, of the series? Nah, well, probably no, not. but I do think it's really fun to imagine. Great. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Music for this episode is provided by Christine. This has been our Christmas special. Merry oh, Christmas, happy everybody. Christmas. Yay! Yay it's Christmas. Go watch the Santa Claus, Santa Claus 2, Santa Claus 3. Definitely watch Disney Plus's new Santa Claus TV show, The Santa Clauses. See you next time. And remember, the, the popcorn, popcorn isn't, isn't real. real.